Welcome to another episode of Sermon Review. Sermon Review. Daniel chapter four. Man, guys, I gotta tell you this. I love the book of Daniel. Like it is so rich with imagery. I almost wish I could be like Daniel's friend and have him like like, hey, can I just be your friend, buddy, and just watch all that you do? Fantastic. Uh, what do you like most about Daniel? I love. I mean, I've always loved history. So the history, the intrigue, the these highs and these lows, these like geopolitical scenes, and yet God showing Himself victorious, like snatching victory from the hands of defeat. Like who's gonna stand against my God? Hmm. And God just humbles people. Like I don't know. I just it's, it's it's just it shows the the mighty power of the Lord, and you know it's a fool's errand to stand against Him. Is that the main point of Daniel? Uh, the main point of Daniel, I think, is that there is a king in heaven, right? King in heaven. That's who good. sets over the, the kings in this world whom he wills. Uh, why do I ask what's the main point of Daniel? Why? Because it's important to understand when you look at a particular text what the, what the context of the whole entire book is. Hmm. Is that what you're going for? Yeah, yeah. I, sure. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, I think I've made a number of reasons people ask this question. For me, I think it's just interesting because we go through Daniel Sunday morning a little bit of First Samuel on Sunday night, you know, different. We're in Matthew there for a while, and you kind of see this kind of. The books are connecting to one another. Oh yeah. And yet sometimes it doesn't come across that way if you're just kind of reading it. You're but when you start to get deeper and deeper, you're like, oh, there's a there's a thread that's being woven throughout this. Just the idea of king. Yeah. So my yeah my daughter and I were talking, and she was saying that um, you know. From Daniel to First Samuel mm. to Esther, the woman's mm. oh, study, yeah. like all these kind of are taking place in similar times and themes, and mm. she just like she just feels like she's learning a ton. Like we, we are giving lots of the Old Testament to our people, mm-hmm. right? So, That's good. Amen. 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 We're Wednesday night. We're going to go through uh, over the Pentateuch and talking to teachers. I think there is a intimidation factor with the Old Testament, and I was like, the goal is that they would just be less intimidated to read the Old Testament. You yeah. know, hopefully they learn things, but. They can read it for themselves and be like, I can get something out of this. Yeah, and there's the themes are repetitive. Mm-hmm. Like, God wants his people to understand. So mm-hmm. he just repeats things a lot. Yeah. You know, even like Daniel, like we talked about this before. It's kind right. of like, you know, you read Daniel and you're seeing Joseph. Yeah. And then when you see Jesus, you're going to see, oh, this was like Joseph. This was like right. Daniel. For right? Samuel, you're watching David. You're like, oh, yeah, this oh, looks yeah. familiar. This looks familiar. There's, there's a king that's coming. Yeah. Know? So, like, in the one He's sense. He's been suffering and persecuted. Yeah. So it's kind of <laughs> like when you preach John, right? When right. you preach John, John tells you the purpose of the book. I'm writing these things to you that you may believe that so Jesus helpful. Christ is the Son of God and that you may have, by believing, you may have faith, life in his name. Do you think you read the Old Testament? I was like, I wish they would just give you the Christ. <laughs> they're like, you know, we're I'm going to do it. We're going to help you out here. We're going to help you out here. We're going to give you the, the meaning. So, like, listen, when I read Daniel, like, the, the theme is pretty similar, mm-hmm. right? Um, God is sovereign, right? He's the one who's <laughs> yeah. in control, right? Now, how do I play that out individually, individual right. sermons? You know, it's going to, you know... I think change as time right. goes on. So. That's good. That's good. All right. Your first point, though, the pursuit of the proud. Uh, what are you breaking this down? Or is this is there verses here that you're like pursue the proud? So here's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, okay, God wants Nebuchadnezzar to believe, right? So mm. I actually started in verse four there. So the verse three okay. is kind of like one through three is kind of him like Nebuchadnezzar is the end. He's reminiscing <clears throat> about who how God has changed him. Yeah. But like four all the way, really, you know. Um, can't even tell where it's probably all the way to 27 maybe okay um is this pursuit god is pursuing nebuchadnezzar right right he's pursuing him in his dreams and he's trying to get his attention if you read this several times it says that you may know that right. there's a king in heaven that you may know there's a king in heaven he sets over the king 
kingdoms as he wills. Right. So it's almost like God wants to humble Nebuchadnezzar. And we know he ultimately does humble Nebuchadnezzar. Right. But he's pursuing him time and time again. Right. And I think that for me that was helpful imagery yeah. is because God is pursuing us. Hmm. Right? We are proud. We are so often arrogant. We are wise in our own eyes. We are children of the evil one, captured by him to do his will. Um, you know, things that we already know we shouldn't do. Right. And, and God is pursuing us. He's showing us love, showing us patience, showing us mercy and kindness. And just yeah. that imagery has been really strong. You know, I love the, um, you know, His Mercy is More. It's a good one. Um, yeah, it's a great song. And there's that line in it. I'm going to butcher it because I, I don't do song lyrics. But okay. my scripture, done. Song lyrics, hard time with it. I always, <laughs> always have, right? Uh, what patience um, would, would, as we constantly roam. Yeah, yeah, you know something like that. You know, yeah, he's, he's singing it right now, beloved. It's right. awesome. I'm trying. Yeah, you know, but there's this. Okay, God is so patient with us, mm -hmm. even when we go astray. He is so kind and and gracious to his people. Right, and I think especially in contrast, when you think of other points in Scripture, kings. Right, this is like seems very similar, right, in the sense of Pharaoh, but he's pursuing Pharaoh that he would show his power to the nations. Yeah. Here it seems like he's after Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. He wants him in particular, yeah. which seems to be interesting. But there is that refrain there. We've been seeing this a lot in verse 1. All peoples, nations, languages. You see that in three over, repetitive. All, all people, all yeah. nations. Yeah. What's, what's this for? Why, why keep bringing this up? I, I, there's, there's, there's twofold here, right? Okay. Looking back to, to what Babel's starting Right, how yeah. they're trying to... Which is interesting, even going to the point, because Babel's destroyed, they're spread out, but Nebuchadnezzar's getting saved here. It's just yeah, yeah, so it's, wild. It's, it's, it's crazy, but like they're, they're trying to like reach the ends of the earth and kind of build, yeah. a, build a name for themselves. All peoples, all nations, all languages. And really, right. that's really the idea of sovereignty, right? Hmm. Who is in control of the world? It's the one who is in control of all peoples, language, peoples, and nations. So when he makes all these decrees, bow down right. before the sovereign image... If you hear that, you know, is you'll you'll see this picture of I'm the one who's sovereign. I'm the one who is in control of the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. And no, there's only one. Right. There's only one. So I think that this imagery is every time you try to even he who would appear to be in control. Right. He's not. He is just a, a puppet in the hand of the king. Is there a reversal there of Babel as well? That, that he's making them in different languages. We hear he's now saying. I, come, I am over all languages. Or yeah, I mean, I don't think that he's trying to say he's a, he's a reverse there, mm -hmm. but he's trying to say that he's the one who's over all of them. Mm -hmm. Now, in several places, right, yeah. we see this reverse, right? You preached Zephaniah 3, I believe, right? Okay. So Zephaniah 3, verse 9, it talks about the, the, the conversion of the nations, mm -hmm. and one of the marks of the conversion is their languages change. Right. Uh, and then you see it at Pentecost, right, almost like the reversal of Babel, right. know, all these different language nations now hearing the languages in their own tongue, right. um, all hearing the gospel. So I, I do think there's definitely something there that God is trying to communicate. Mm. Okay. So pursue the proud. He's pursuing Nebuchadnezzar. He's saying dreams again. He's, But he's troubled by the dreams. There's something here of we should learn by how God is pursuing the proud. Yeah, so what I made the point is, is and again, I can't back this up from the text, so it's always dangerous when you make a point that's <laughs> not directly in the text. But, you know, I think the reason why it alarmed him is because it played at his insecurities. Okay. Right? His insecurity was is that my kingdom is going to be taken away. Who mm -hmm. I am, my identity is going to be taken away. Mm -hmm. And that caused us to be alarmed or, or fear. Mm -hmm. I think for us, when we find fear... 
or worry or mm-hmm. anxiety crippling us, that's a sign that the Lord is trying to pursue you. Mm-hmm. And even as you know, Pastor Drew mentioned a couple weeks ago, in many ways our anxiety is our pride mm-hmm. and not willing to submit and trust God's sovereign hand. Right, for fear of God. Yeah, so I think what, what we're seeing here is that when you feel these kind of things, like, oh, wait, I'm proud and God's trying to pursue me. So things are happening in my life. God, what are you trying to teach me through mm-hmm. this? Listen, sometimes we have trials in our life that God directly gives us because of our sin, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to get our, get our attention. But sometimes God gives us trials in our life so that we can verify that we're true believers and have confidence, right? Mm-hmm. He gives it to us as a blessing, as a grace. Sometimes he does it not for us, but the people in our lives who may be far from God, mm-hmm. right? There's a number of people that I know who have um, have battled cancer with grace mm-hmm. and have won people to Christ because right. of how they handled it. Um, even the testimony of Robert's uh, Robert Shaver's grandmother, mm-hmm. right, who was in, was in Mexico and people saw her faith and said, something's different about you. How can you have faith even when you're dying? Right. Because my Lord's on the throne. So I, I think that you know, when we think about us personally, God is pursuing us. And if we are Christians, God has pursued us. Mm-hmm. And God will continue to pursue us right. until we're fully like him. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So comforting. Yeah, that's good. Uh, your second point, uh, the price of the proud. Yeah, so the price of the proud, this is kind of the... So in, in verse 28, it says, All this came upon ne- King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. Hmm. So like God told him through a dream, right? right? Daniel graciously Warned let him, them. warns him, loves him yeah. on the dreams, and Nebuchadnezzar still does not repent. Right. He still doesn't get it. Twelve months pass. Right. And I think this happens a lot. God reveals something to us, and we don't do anything about it. Hmm. And we think that we're good. No. Like, you need to repent. Hmm. You need to humble yourself. So he didn't. So, I mean, this this... It is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residency for the glory of my majesty. Right. I didn't even say this, but like he's looking over the, the ancient gar- gardens of Babylon, mm-hmm. right? The the hanging gardens, which are one of the seven wonders of the Lord, ancient world. Yeah. Like I didn't even get into all that, but like he would have taken years of just looking at all these different things that, that he had had built for right. um, for his name for his own namesake, and that very moment it says before the words were out of his mouth, God spoke to him. But he waited twelve months. But he waited 12 and months. And then instantly in a moment, he, yeah, yeah it's kind of... It's kind of like, you know, and maybe that was the, the pinnacle of his pride, right? right? You know, like, maybe that was much like Babel. But like most clear to him. Most yeah. clear to him that you're you're, you're wrong here. Right. Um, so, it reminds me uh, of King Herod in the Acts. Oh, yeah. Right, he's... And then, yeah, boom, doesn't give God glory. And, so there's this... Right when it happened, it um, the price was humiliation, hmm. right? If you exalt yourself... You will be humiliated. Right. If you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. Right. So he 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 was humbled and walking around like a beast of the field. Right. right. And there's this imagery there about the beast and then the beast of Revelation and the beast of Revelation is thrown into the pit, and like this is what happens if you're an animal. If you right. live like an animal by your own instincts, your own desires, not with reason, not honoring God who made you, exchanging the glory of the immortal God for images, like right. birds and creeping things. If you do that, you're going to be humbled. Right, the mm. proud will be humble. Now, I didn't even unpack all this because of the the you know so, so much we had in our service. Yeah. Beautiful service, yeah. right? Beautiful, amazing service. Baptisms and so humbling to see you um, formally ordained as an elder. Um, but one, one of the things that you see here is that God is speaking to Babel uh, to King Nebuchadnezzar, the the king of Babylon, and all the people of Israel would have had taken great comfort in this. Mm. That even the king of Babylon who stands against God in pride right. will be humbled. God will be with his people. 
because God is with his people even in, in as they are exiles. Right. And we as Christians, you know, we are the elect exiles of the Lord, right? We mm-hmm. are called to live as aliens and strangers in this world right. as we long for a greater home whose builder is God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been super comforting, right? Our God's on the throne. There's no need to worry. There's no need to fear. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I see happening in America is lots of people are really worried hmm. and really fearful and really like... Which is uh, ironic. Yeah. Because it seems to be one of the most prosperous countries in the world. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's just all this like, man, America's never going to be the same. Well, yeah, but like our God's on the throne. Right. Well, why are you, why are you, why don't you not fret? Do not worry. Right. Right. Uh, our God reigns. I'm anxious for tomorrow. Yeah, the Lord reigns. So I think that's that would have been very comforting, I think, to the Israelites there. Hmm. Right. Is there something there, though, once again, going back to the beginning, all nations that even seems like, when we're about to get this point right, the praise of the proud that he's winning over a Gentile king, and not just a Gentile king, the one who took Israel, brought them into exile, seems like he's getting saved. Yeah, praise God. Isn't that, what would the original audience thought of something like that? Would they have been like, oh, that's amazing, Cause, or they've been like, they would have, They would have been probably much like Jonah. Hmm. How dare God do that, right? Hmm. I knew you were gracious and merciful. So right? they would have liked him eating grass, but then like, whoa. I think so. I think so. But, but it's interesting, even Daniel, how he spoke about Nebuchadnezzar, it seemed like there was genuine affection for him there. Right. right? Again, he was served with him for a number of years. It's hard yeah. to really diagnose why mm-hmm. um, but all this to say is that you know the price of being proud ultimately is damnation mm. because to be proud is to say I don't need God mm-hmm. the fool says in his heart there is no God mm. I mean the fool says in his heart I don't need God mm. right and if you live that way that there's great danger in that yeah so so yeah so let's let's aim at being humble so yeah he, he's restored he's brought back his now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. We see, because we've kind of seen this kind of foreshadowed, your God, your God, but now it seems like he's turning it to his God. Yeah. So we, we, we think this is when Nebuchadnezzar was converted. These are the last words that we have, right? Mm-hmm. The next chapter begins with his his son or one of his descendants, we don't exactly know for sure. Right. Um, but there's this, I think the last verse of verse four is the hinge of the book. If you think about a, um, a mountain, right. this is kind of the pinnacle right there. Yeah. And then it goes down afterward because the next thing what we're able to see is that Belshazzar mm. is humbled. So God takes the proud and he humbles him, mm-hmm. right? Um, because this is who God is, because he's the king of heaven. Right. And again, you see the same the same theme that is kind of repeated three times in um, Daniel 4. Okay. Um, for example, verse 17, um, that you may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it up to whom he wills and sets over the lowliest of men. Right. And I, was, I knew where I was going <laughs> in, in, in talking about the Jesus there right. uh, as the lowliest of men. And while reading it, I could not stop like getting choked up mm. because... Jesus Christ, the lowliest of men, is giving, is given all the kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And you think about that in terms of even this idea of all peoples. Mm-hmm. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Mm-hmm. Go therefore. Right? Right. Like there's this something about Jesus Christ, his faithfulness in the garden, his uh, in, in, in the desert, when tempted by by Satan, and Satan saying, "I will give you 
all these kingdoms. Right. Oh, my goodness. Like, there's so much imagery there that is just striking. Yeah. But the lowliest among us, the most humble among us, mm. will be exalted. Which tells us, why do we often want to be exalted? Right. It's because we still have the seed of the serpent in our heart, mm. right? We have the seed of pride. We want to be wise in our own eyes. And let it not be so. Let us praise the high king of heaven. So practical, what are things that we can do to help apply this text to our life of fighting pride, um, walking in humility, trusting that God is sovereign over all things? There's something there, like practical things that come yeah, to mind. Yeah, so here's, here's a, I mean, I shared this story with you before, but I am a very prideful person, right? So a couple years ago, I was at, a, at an event and they said, hey, we're going to go bowling. <laughs> and, and my first thought, my very first thought is, how do I act humble after I bowl a perfect game? Right. I mean, what in the world? I've never come close to a perfect game. I don't know what I was even thinking. Right? This is the moment. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is my moment, right? I tell Ellen, and uh, that's, that's so I had a ridiculous, prideful thought, right. and then I confessed it. Yeah. I shared it with Ellen. We laughed, we laughed, we laughed. Yeah. Next day, she says, Dave, did you bowl a 300 perfect game? I go, no. Not only did I not bowl a perfect game, but I split my pants when I bowled. <laughs> right? So the Lord was trying to teach me this lesson. Like, you are prideful, but I'm able to humble you. So the fact that I was able to laugh at myself right. and like confess the ridiculous thoughts that are inside my head mm. was really freeing. So if you yeah. ha- are prideful, don't be afraid to just share, hey, this mm. is what I was thinking. And, right. and like that actually gives you freedom to fight your pride. Right. Um, obviously, look to Christ. Yeah. The, the, the remedy of all of life is behold Christ. Mm-hmm. The one who had it all emptied himself and became a servant, mm-hmm. take, coming obedience to death, even death on a cross. Right. So we that's the road that we've called, right? Jesus you know, got up from the table, took off his outer garments, got down on his hands and knees, mm-hmm. and washed his disciples' feet. And he told us, go and do likewise. Yeah. So if you think that you're all that, you need to serve more. Right? Yeah, that's you need good. To, you need to intentionally humble yourself right. so that God would be the one to exalt you. Right. Even that Philippians 2 text it says, consider others as more significant yourselves, right? Looking to Christ, right? Who humbled himself. I think, yeah, there's a, that's good. I think for me also, uh, prayer, right? Uh, pride leads to prayerlessness and that's something, if I'm slow to pray, if I'm slow to go to God for help, it's probably because I think I don't need the help. I can do it myself and we probably do struggle with that in our Western concept of we know how things work. So if I just do this, if I do that, I'll be fine. And we don't actually go to God for praise, yeah. for help, and things like that. Anything else here with fighting pride? No, I, I would say that those are the two the two big ones. Confess your pride when it comes, mm. right? Kill yeah. it. That's when we kill pride is that right. we confess it. Kill all sin is honestly by confessing it. Uh, we bring it out in the open, and God's light can sanctify it. Right. Um, I just want to hammer home this idea of, pr- of prayer. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was so interesting at the conference I just went to, how to become a sending church. And of course, there are strategies. There's things that you do, but pretty much every single person just said, "We need to pray more." Amen. We need to pray. We need to pray to the Lord of the Harvest right. to send laborers into the harvest field. It's His harvest. Mm-hmm. It's His laborers. Um, you know, He who waters and He who plants is in nothing, mm-hmm. but He who only God who brings the increase. You know, so we just need to humble ourselves intentionally, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that there's only one who deserves to be the, on the throne of our heart. That's mm-hmm. the Lord, right? Let's renounce all those satanic ways and live for Christ and His glory. Amen. Would you mind praying for us? Father, we love you. Uh, we pray, God, that we would be humble. We pray, God, that we would extol and praise the high King of heaven. Uh, for all his, all your works are right, all your ways are just. And those who walk in pride, you are able to humble. We pray, God, that we would not walk in pride, but in humility. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.